So in years gone by, when families would come back together for a reunion or maybe what we would call a homecoming, they would pull out their family albums and they'd just run down memory lane. Or they'd pick up boxes of letters that maybe mom and dad used to write to one another and they might read some of those letters back and forth just remembering what used to be. This is a divine introduction, as you can tell. Uh, yes, maybe we just need an introduction today. Uh, but it was a special moment to go back into the past and remember where the family had been. And so on this special day, our homecoming here at East 10th Street, I want us to do a little walking down memory lane. But I want to go back to some of those, those early letters, letters that were written before we ever existed. I want to go back to those letters written in the New Testament. One in particular, I want to take a look at one of our family letters written by the Apostle Paul and a group of leaders around him to a group of early Christians in the city of Thessalonica. I want to take a look at that family letter. just want to look at the introduction of that letter. We're just going to take a look at one chapter in that letter. I think we'll see some themes in the letter that will have some application for us on our special day here at East 10th Street, but we'll see some connections as we open up what we might call this box of letters, picking one, this one from Paul to the church at Thessalonica. So we pick up 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 is where I want to take our trip down memory lane. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we read starting at verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your love prompted, uh, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Well, therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us, rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the introduction of one of our family letters. If you are a student of Jesus, you would claim this as a family letter, as being part of his church, even 2,000 years later. And I see a couple things going on in the intro here, and I want to just pull out. I just want to yank out some themes I'm seeing going on right here. I think there's some things that Paul is saying to the Thessalonians that we might understand even in our day. So first, let me just go with the first thing I think Paul is saying. I think he's saying, you Thessalonian church are good soil. So if I have to pull out a theme here, to take this introduction as a summary, I think he's saying, you Thessalonian church, you are good soil. 
You see, when they would go preaching in cities, they would go into open-air venues or they'd go into a local synagogue and they would preach the word. They would tell people about the good news of Jesus. Often they would be rejected. Often they'd be beat up. They'd be run out of town. But often they would also be accepted. And the word of God would be received. These were people who received the word of God. And this is something he's saying to them right here in the introduction to this letter. Look at verse 7. Just take, a, just take a quick look back. Verse 7, you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Take a look at chapter 2, verse 13. Look at what he says. We also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. These were a people who heard the word, the word was planted in them, and then something happened, something changed. They were like good soil receiving seed and beginning to grow. You know what this reminds me of? You who have walked with me through the gospel of Mark. It reminds me of something Jesus talked about. It reminds me of one of his parables. He told a parable about a farmer who went out and sowed seed. Remember that? If you don't, it was back in July. That's how, that's how quickly we are moving through the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4, take a look, verse 14 through 20. Jesus told a parable. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, they come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, sown 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I think that fourth soil, the good soil, I think that describes the Thessalonian church. I think that's what, what Paul sees. This is a people, this is a group of people chosen by God to receive the word, and now they are seeing 30, 60, 100 times what was originally sown. Good things are happening. We know that the Thessalonians received persecution. He even says it in the intro to the letter. They received pushback after receiving the word. And yet, they weren't like shallow soil that receives the word with joy but faces persecution and then they fall away quickly. Now these were a people that received the word and then things started growing. Just as a reminder, something we said back in July about this passage. We said something about the nature of good soil. Take a look. This is something we said back in July. We said, there is only one way to receive the gospel and enter the kingdom of God. You must have a humble heart, which is a gift from God. A humble heart acknowledges that you are not God. That you don't have it all figured out. That although you might know all the news of our day, you still do not understand the full scope or the full range of your need for God. 
The word of God has to be received with humility because what it's saying to you is that you're not in control, that you're not God of the universe. And that humble heart only comes from God. I think this is the tie-in to why Paul says they are chosen by God. Somehow, somehow, God was involved with them receiving the word and then growing. But this is a church that is good soil, a humble people, a people that acknowledged they weren't God, and they were pretty jacked up, and they needed this good news. This is, this is something I'm seeing coming right out of that introduction. So as a family letter, he is complimenting them for their humility, for being good soil. And just like any seed that falls in good soil, that seed begins to produce, and it's producing a lot of good things. That's the second thing. Right on the heels of being a good soil is the second theme I want to pull out. That is, Paul would say, you Thessalonian church, you produce good fruit. You produce good fruit. Now, plants don't always produce good fruit. They can produce bad fruit. But this church, they produced really good fruit. Take a look. Take a look at what Paul says. We'll, we'll take a quick review of our family letter here. Let's take a review. Chapter 1, verse 3, and then 7 and 10. Just, I've, I've underlined and to highlight some of this good fruit. He says, We remember before our God and Father your work, produced by faith, your labor, prompted by love, your endurance, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, look at this. You became a model. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message, it rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Everywhere. Let's go to verse 9. They tell, so these people who have heard of your faith, well, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us, rescues us from the coming wrath. This is a church that has influence on a regional scale. They're not just having influence in their city. There are now people in other cities that know about this church. That's like people over in Asheville hearing about the faith of East 10th Street Church. That's like New York City getting word that something is going on in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina on 10th Street. This church had produced so much fruit, so much good fruit, that there were other Christians around the Roman Empire hearing about the good things God was doing in them. And this was a group of people that were really nobodies before they came to faith in Jesus. And yet God has a way of growing things out of humble hearts. They had received God's word, and they, that, that word had gone deep Roots really deep. And now out of that, they were growing strong. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what suffering or what persecution came against them. Their roots were so deep, there was no wind that was blowing that church over. Because of all the good things growing in them. And people knew their story. People knew that this was a church. This was a people that worshipped idols. And we got idols in our day. Now, just because you don't have some wood figure in your house doesn't mean you don't have an idol. But this was a church that were worshiping in a different direction. And then all of a sudden things turned. They had a different story. And that story 
of their conversion, of a change inside of them, had gone out across the Roman Empire into other communities. And I'm sure that there were other people coming to Jesus, knowing this good news, because of the, produ the fruit produced in them. You know, there's a scripture, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about not going the way of wicked people, but eating, devouring, sitting in God's word, and growing really deep roots so that whatever you would do would prosper. You know, there's a verse in the Bible, there's some verses in the Bible about that. We might have taken five weeks to look over those verses. Take a look, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. I think the Thessalonian church was a Psalm 1 church. Look at the description, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person, maybe that church, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. I think what we're seeing in 1 Thessalonians 1 is a description of a Psalm 1 church. This is a people who accepted God's word with humility and then began to produce great fruit, so much fruit, that their work, their labor, it was all being prompted by their faith and love. They were actually doing really great things. They had become a model church for other churches around the Roman Empire, and people knew their story. And there was no persecution, there was no wind that was going to topple this church. That's a Psalm 1 church. That's a church deeply planted in the Word of God and with each other. That is something I want to be a part of. There's one particular fruit, a lot of fruit you can produce, there's a lot of good fruit you can produce. But there's one fruit in particular that Paul highlights. He gives, it, he gives it a mention here in the introduction of this family letter. But then he continues to bring it up as he writes the rest of it. Take a look. Let's just take a quick review back to 1 Thessalonians. Let's take a look at this next scripture. In 3.6, he says this about Timothy. Timothy, one of his co-workers, went back out to visit with this church. He comes back with this. But Timothy has just now come to us from you, and has brought good news about your faith and love. Your faith and love. Paul highlights the fact that this is a church that loves. I mean, this isn't just a church that talks about love. I mean, who doesn't like talking about love? Even non-Christians like talking about love. You can hashtag all kinds of things about love. We love love. But this was a church that were caring for one another. They were sacrificing for one another. And they were loving even people beyond their church. And Paul highlights it in this letter. But he never leaves them there. He never leaves them there. He doesn't just say, you've really nailed it. Hashtag nailed love. Hashtag complete. Hashtag you're done loving. He compliments them for their love. And then he challenges them to love more and more. It's a beautiful passage in the middle of the letter. Take a look. 1 Thessalonians, we'll go chapter 4, look at verse 1 and then 9 through 10 here. We instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living, which is a well done there. 
Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. This church... As much love as they had produced, they weren't done. You can't outdo love. Love doesn't have boundaries on it. There, there's, there's, not, there's not some level where you've reached your limit of love. Love has a way of multiplying. It has a way of growing. It has a way of finding more people in need. It grows. It multiplies. And so he challenges them. You keep you keep loving more and more. I love what you've done, but you keep going. You love more and more. Now, this can get generic, okay? So love can get a bit generic, particularly when we say things like, we love the Panthers, or we love the Braves, or we love the Braves are going to beat the Cardinals. You know, when we start saying things like that, you know, love, love starts to get generic a bit, right? Because we're using it for everything. If you're a Cardinals fan, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been praying and fasting, and I'm the preacher, and my prayers have a way of getting to God faster, and, and uh, so I'm just so sorry. In my mind, we've already won the World Series. Um, if you don't get sarcasm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was, okay, kind of. So, um, <laughs> so love can get a bit generic. Love, love can be a little loose. So I just want to take a look at another letter that Paul wrote where he described, gave a little more detail to what love begins to look like. I think you and I will see here, it's going to be hard to outdo this kind of love because you're always going to have people in your life that you can apply this to. Take a look what he wrote in Colossians chapter 3. He wrote this to the Colossians, I think a good description of what love more and more looks like. He says, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. feel like we could stop there, right? feel like we got enough right there to get rid of in life to go to the rest of your life. He continues, do not lie to each other. Now, these aren't just these direct lies, like if I told you I was 6'5". Obviously, lied. This is not what he's dealing with. He's dealing all, with all the ways we mask truth to get what we want. He continues, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, this is a church that loved. They loved each other so much. So Paul said, I don't even really need to write to you about this because I know you're doing it. But I'm going to urge you, you love more and more. You think in that church, in that young church in Thessalonica, that there were, no, there were no interpersonal problems? You think everybody was happy with one another? No. I'm sure someone made someone else mad. I'm sure people fell on different, different pieces or different places of the political spectrum. I'm sure there were people that had hurt one another in their former life, and now they were put together in this church under the good news of Jesus, and they were learning how to bear with one another from past hurts and pains. 
I'm sure there were people grieving. I'm sure people cut one another when they were tired or hungry. I'm sure people were dealing with a lot of interpersonal conflict. So to love more and more is something you and I can keep working on for a very long time. That's just one snapshot of what that might look like. I think this was behind the scenes. This was behind the pen when Paul was writing what it would look like to love more and more. It's just one way. So we take this, this letter, we take this family letter, we look at it, we've, we've looked at it from multiple angles, made some connections to some of the things Jesus said, even some things from the ancient Psalms. But this has to have application for us. Like this letter, this family letter, has to say something to you. It has to get down into your life. It has to get down into our life as a church. So I think this family letter actually has something to say to us as a church. Let's make some application. Make some application here. This first application as a church, we have been and continue to be good soil for the Word of God. This is a church that will always have a sermon coming out of God's Word. We will be a church founded in the truth found within the Bible. And this has been a tradition. This has been the root, a foundation for East 10th Street for much longer than I've been alive. When Miss Pugh began this gathering of children, do you know what she was teaching them? She was not teaching them the latest science. I don't got a problem with science. But she wasn't teaching them the latest science. And she wasn't teaching them American history. She was teaching them the Bible. These were kids learning the stories of David and Goliath. These were kids that were beginning to learn the stories of Moses and Aaron, the exodus from Egypt. They were learning about Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. They were learning these great stories of the Bible. Those many years ago, Miss Pugh was sowing the seed of God's Word in those little hearts. And those, that seed had a way of growing and blossoming. 30, 60, 100 times what was originally sown. So much so that this church has been around now for quite a while. So much so that I am now the third minister in over 60 years. That typically doesn't happen. But I'm convinced it's because when the Word of God began to be sown in this little part of the community, this little patch of land, God was doing a pretty good work in humble hearts. And it just has continued, even today. We are a church that will come humbly, letting God do work in us that only he can do, so that we can move into our second application. As a church, we have produced decades of good fruit in the lives of our members and those in the community. I've only been here six months but I've had an opportunity to hear a lot of stories, and I've been able to meet a lot of people in the community, and I am still amazed how many people in this community have a connection to East 10th Street Church, or how many people will laugh at me when they hear that I'm from East 10th Street, at first offended, I'm not sure what's going on, they're laughing at me, I literally have just told them, I am the pastor at East 10th Street Church. <laughs> like. Like, did I pick the wrong church? Like, what's going on? Do you know something? I don't know. And they will say something like this. You know Clyde Wheeler married me and my husband. 
Do you know that I grew up in that church? Do you know? And the whole time I'm saying, no, I don't know. But they have a connection here. Some deep connection that I never knew about. This church has influence in this community beyond anything I imagined when I said, yes, I'll come. And it has been refreshing to hear about all the good fruit that has been produced. And now I'm watching good fruit be produced even today. Literally. I don't mean that as a metaphor. You just experienced with me all of these young ones. All these young ones up here singing songs that give praise to our God. These little ones will one day grow up and produce more fruit. This is the kind of church we have become. We started as good soil, producing good fruit, and that has continued over the years. And you, many of you, are an example of that good fruit. And I just happen to get to, to benefit from all of your good fruit. My little girl, singing with all of her charisma, <laughs> which is wonderful, how sweet, took a video, wonderful, loved it, but it goes the other direction at home as well. The charisma, charisma cannot always be cute. So when it talks back, it comes with the same charisma, different words, different facial expressions. But, but I got to experience my little girl singing these songs of praise because so many of you have been faithful and produced so much good fruit over these many years before you ever knew me or my family. And many of you have this same story. At the end of June, we had 10 families up here dedicating their children. That was good fruit being produced out of this church. But those families don't stand here dedicating their children to the Lord and their parenting to Jesus without the many years, many decades of faithful service, faithful production of good fruit. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want to be. I want to be part of that kind of family. Let's, let's take another application. As a church, we must keep growing. We have a great past, but God calls us to love more and more. So, I mean, we could wax eloquent. By we, I mean me, for the next half hour about all the good things about East 10th Street Church. And we could talk for days about all the stories you could bring and all the memories you have. But do not sit comfortable in your past. We have more to do. We have more love. We have more love to express. There is more fruit to be produced. We probably have some forgiveness we need to share. We probably have some anger we need to let go of. We may have envy we need to bury. We can do more and more. Let me give you a vision of what that might be. I just want to give you some ideas. There are a lot of things this could be. But I'm going to give you a few. As a church, I'd say as a church, let's be a church that is committed to becoming Psalm 1 people, living in God's kingdom in joyful confidence of his faithfulness. That's easy when your health is good and your finances look great. But we want to be the kind of church that when your cancer becomes terminal, you carry joy into the terminal diagnosis because you're a Psalm 1 person, part of a Psalm 1 community. That's the kind of people we want to become. 
We don't want to just be joyful and, and happy about God's faithfulness when we have a great job. We want to take that joy, we want to take that with us into our debt after losing our job because we're a Psalm 1 people, part of a Psalm 1 church. That's what we want to be. So we want to become that. We want to more and more become the kind of people rooted in God's word, part of a community growing more and more in love and in joyful confidence of his faithfulness. That's the kind of people we want to become. So that's a challenge for us. That's a challenge. Maybe not when you're, when you're happy and all is going well, but when things aren't well, that's the kind of people we want to be. Take a look. Here's another one. We want to be the kind of church that is dedicated to eating God's word and applying it to real life. Real life. If I am dedicated to anything as your minister, bringing you a message from God's word week in and week out, it is to get God's word down into real life. I have no interest in giving you a bunch of theological categories that have nothing to do with life in your kitchen or when you're at home tired and hungry and frustrated. The Bible always gets down to how you live. And so I am dedicated to figuring out and praying through what it looks like to bring the good news of Jesus into your real life. You'll hear me say over and over again, I want the Bible to get into our fingertips, get into our feet, get onto our tongues, stamped on our eyeballs, get down into our kitchens, our living rooms, our bedrooms, our bathrooms. I want it to get everywhere, right where you live. Because if the Bible doesn't get down to where you live, I don't know where else it's going to go. Because you can only be where you live. We want to be a kind of people that take the Word of God into our frustrated family relationship. That family member you don't want to go hang out with at Christmas, you have them. We won't ask for an amen, just you have them. God's Word has something to say about that relationship. And so we want to work through that. Because love and following Jesus has to say something about that relationship. Or I'm going to go find another Jesus. Because Jesus is concerned about my real life, not my theological life that lives in the clouds. This is the kind of people we want to become. Take a look. Here's another thing we want to look at. Be become. Let's be a church that is known for loving its community, helping those in need, no strings attached. Do you know that we are now giving food from our food pantry that we housed here at the church? That food now goes to Challoner Middle School to serve kids in need, both personal care items and food. And we are giving that food away, no strings attached. And do you know that we are not measuring how many of those children come to Jesus? Do you know that? I have no idea how many kids will come to Jesus because of that food. I just hope that they aren't hungry on the weekend because we did something. You know, Jesus, Jesus at one point fed 5,000 people. And do you know he didn't have an altar call? He just fed them. And Mark, when we get there, we'll see that he records they were satisfied and then went on their way. We are not a church that just feeds people. But if we miss that sometimes, sometimes doing good is just making sure people 
have food, then we're getting it. We have to understand that being a church that loves more and more will include doing things for people with no strings attached. And I am so grateful before I ever got here, this has been that kind of church. And will continue to be. And I imagine God will keep opening doors. Keep opening doors in ways that surprise us on how we can do good in our community with no strings attached. Because God has a way of moving in channels of love where we do not attach strings. We do not give food to Chaloner so people can say, look at East 10th Street. We give food to those in need because it's what Jesus would do. And we follow his way. And don't you worry. God will have a way of taking care of people coming to know Jesus. And it doesn't, it doesn't stop us from being explicit with the good news of Jesus. Do not think you can give a can of soup and that's giving away Jesus. But I want us to be a church that is known more and more and more as a church that loves its community. That's the kind of church we are. We're not just doing a sermon series on loving our city or our community. We'll just do it slowly and steadily, making sure that we do good. Now, what does it look like to do that more and more? Eh, God will keep showing up. But when he gives us opportunities, let's be the kind of church that loves more and more. Take another look. Here's one more example. Let's be a church that invites other people into our faith family, even if they don't. Oh, my. Who wrote that? Who wrote, who wrote this? Even if they don't look and sound like us? Oh, my. Can we be honest? I like people that look like me. I like people that act like me. I like people that have my same humor. Do you know that I watch TV shows that make me laugh, not ones that make me mad? Do you know that I typically put everything in my life that I like? The church does not work that way. The church is one place where you're going to get a group of people together that don't always agree, but will come around the name of Jesus and love and forgiveness and bearing anger and envy so that they can do something more together than they ever could do alone. That's what God's doing. He's knitting together a diverse group of people. So when you start inviting people to church that don't look like you, they may not tuck their shirts in. And that's okay. Don't give me, I want any critique for what I just said. They may wear tennis shoes and not dress shoes. They may wear a t-shirt with holes in it, unwashed, that smells. You know what? Praise God they're here. Praise God they're here. They just might figure out the laundry machine later. For right now, praise God, they're here. When you start inviting people into the community of God, right where you are and you live, you're going to get people that don't look and sound like you. And if we're serious about being a church that loves more and more, then we might start looking different. We might start sounding a little different. Now, if that's not the church we want to be, then we just stop telling people, and we just close it off, and we just look like we want to look. But if you want to open up,
the floodgates of love in this community and bring people into a family to experience love they're not going to experience anywhere else, then you're going to get people that don't look and sound like you. So I'm telling you right now on this homecoming, if that's the direction we're going, get ready for untucked shirts, tennis shoes, and smelly shirts. They're coming, and that's okay. Because being a Psalm 1 church is about loving people where they are. And we don't leave people where they are. Jesus never left people right where they were. But we want to be a people. We want to be a people that includes a diverse group. A diverse group where we will see forgiveness. Where we will see kindness. Where we'll see patience. And we'll see compassion. So let's be that kind of church. But I'm warning you, if we follow the direction of this letter from Paul to the Thessalonian church, that's the kind of people you're going to get. I'm not even going to talk about how the Thessalonian church looked. That was diverse. A lot more diverse than we are. We do not seek diversity, but it is a result of love growing. Let's take a look at a next step. Take all of it then into a next step. Increase your involvement in our church family by one degree. By one degree. So this, is gonna, this, this next step has a lot of different versions to it. It has a lot of different applications. Something you can do today, this week, and in the months to come. For some of you, you do not have a church family. So your next step by degree is to come maybe once a month to East 10th Street and sit and be part of our worship service. You just start there. Start there. We're not going to put pressure on you to join on your first time. You just start. One degree. Just do move the ball down the field a yard. And so if you don't have a church family, if you're not going anywhere on a Sunday morning, then I'm challenging you to come back to East 10th Street in October. Just come back one more time. Maybe you, you have been at East 10th Street now for some time, and it's time to join. Like, you, we've dated long enough. It's time to make some commitment. There's like this song, right? Put a ring on it. I'm not going to sing it. Something like that, right? Okay. But it's time to make some commitment. And so it's time to join. Or maybe, maybe it's time to take on some leadership role. Do something, do, do more than you've been doing. I don't know what this looks like for you. And this is not a guilt trip to get you to make East 10th Street bigger, better, or, or more significant. What it is, is a challenge to take one more step into a family of God. Some of you may be joining us today visiting because you have a church family. And this is homecoming, there's free food, big meal, and this is an opportunity to come, to come visit. Wherever your church family is, you take this next step into that church family. You just move the ball down the field one step and get more involved. You cannot date the church and get all the benefits of that relationship. You have to move further, deeper into intimacy. And so that's my call. Every one of you has a way you can do that. I don't know what that is, but I know you can take a next step where you participate more, you get more involved, you increase 
your involvement by one degree in our church family or your church family wherever you find yourself. We typically don't talk about the local church or membership strong here. And I always want to be careful not to leverage the power of the pulpit, the power of being able to bring God's word to get you to do something, to somehow sell this to you or guilt you into it. But I'm convinced that if we are going to experience and continue to grow more and more in the kind of things we were reading in that early family letter from Paul to the Thessalonians, it's going to require an increase in involvement by one degree, at least, starting today. So whatever that looks like for you, take a next step. Take a next step. Go one degree. Maybe you weren't going to stay for the meal today. Like, really? Like, it could get awkward. You don't know anybody. Maybe your next step is to do a quick go through the buffet, challenge yourself to five minutes, sit at a table, eat it up, and get out. But give yourself, give yourself an opportunity to at least go through the line. Maybe that's maybe a five-minute sit down, scarfing down your food, maybe your next step, rather than walking out after the worship service. I don't know. I don't know what it will be. But you cannot underestimate, do not underestimate the importance of being involved in our church family. Do not date too long. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of the Thessalonian church. And help us as a church to grow. We thank you for all of your faithfulness here at East 10th Street for these many years. We thank you for the good soil. We thank you for the good fruit. And we pray that it will grow more and more and more in the years to come. We pray that this community is different because we're here. It has been in the past. We pray it for the future. That we will be a Psalm 1 people. That we will be a people dedicated to loving anyone that walks in these doors. And that you will open us up to forgiveness, and compassion, and mercy, and patience in ways we have yet experienced as a church family. Grow us in that direction. Thank you for today. We pray all of this under the name of your son, Jesus. And together we say, amen.